So yes, reading from John chapter 14 today. Just from verse 27 to 31. And this is Jesus speaking. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. You heard me say, I am going away and I am coming back to you. If you loved me, you would be glad that I am going to the Father. For the Father is greater than I. I have told you now before it happens, so that when it does happen, you will believe. I will not say much more to you, for the Prince of this world is coming. He has no hold over me, but he comes so that the world may learn that I love the Father and do exactly what my Father has commanded me. Come now, let us leave. Well, good morning, everyone. It's uh, a real privilege to be here with you all this morning. Um, And just another thank you for the big welcome that we've had as a family. Uh, Leah and I are so, yeah, just feel really privileged to be here. So just wanted to thank you again for having us, and we look forward to the year ahead with you. Uh, As you've all heard already, I have the pleasure of sharing God's Word with you this morning. Uh, The short little passage from the end of John's, uh, or end of chapter 14 in John's Gospel And uh, yeah, just before we get stuck in, um, I'd love just to start with a word of prayer. So will you pray with me? Uh, Heavenly Father, as we uh, gather together uh, this morning as your people and listen to the rain and the thunder outside, we're um, reminded again of the great, awesome, creator God that you are and how you've created this magnificent world um, for us to live in. And yet also we know that it's a broken world and that it's a world that uh, in so many ways lacks, lacks your peace. I pray, Father, that uh, as we continue to worship you this morning and consider these words here in John 14, that, uh, yeah, your voice, your word through your spirit would break through into our hearts, Lord, and that we wouldn't come away the same today, but in some way change through the power of your spirit, Lord. Please, Father, I pray that your Holy Spirit would work amongst us this day. Praise in Jesus' name. Amen. So as we've uh, already sort of introduced you this morning, uh, peace is a central thing that we'll be talking about this morning. And I just wanted to begin with a short, I guess, question for you. Just to say, when you hear the word peace, what comes to your mind? I mean, it's such a vivid word in a lot of ways. Uh, For some of you, uh, considering this word, Perhaps something really positive comes to your mind. Uh, in our culture in particular, there's, you know, a lot of people might think of just some everyday things that kind of brings them peace. Uh, one thing I thought of was just uh, one of the traditions that we have in Australia, which is simply just to get the barbecue out, get some mates around, have some drinks and food, and have a peaceful and jolly time together. Uh, you could think of the family environment where... 
uh, parents might be thinking, I want some peace and quiet from my kids who are driving me crazy. Particularly for perhaps the families in lockdown at the moment that they're stuck in their four walls. Uh, perhaps there's something simple like going away on a holiday. You've booked on the calendar that you're really looking forward to that fishing trip or that time away enjoying exploring somewhere new. Perhaps it's something really simple, just getting a nice book in one hand that you've been wanting to read and while your favourite beverage in the other hand and just kicking back and enjoying a few quiet, peaceful moments to yourself. When I was considering this for myself afresh, one particular memory came to my mind, um, and I've just got a picture here uh, that should come up. Uh, this is in New Zealand. Um, a, little, a few years ago, we had the privilege of going and exploring some of God's good creation over there, and in New Zealand, I can assure you, there's lots of goodness in that regard. Um, this is called, I'm not sure if, you've, if anyone knows this place, uh, it's called uh, Lake Matheson. Uh, and as you can see, it has this sort of wonderful reputation of giving these mirror views off the calm water of Mount Cook and the trees behind. Uh, it's, it's a wonderful place to be. And indeed, it's a really peaceful place to be, away from the cares of the world, enjoying God's goodness in his creation. Uh, but moving on from sort of positive things, perhaps when you think of peace this morning, for some of you, it might actually bring some negative thoughts to mind. Perhaps it's some negative things that you want done away with to give you peace. Financial burdens, stresses, relational or health problems, losses and trauma that you may have experienced in your life and that you're still carrying with you until this day. Maybe it's some internal struggles that you're facing things that are unseen from other people, but a reality for you nonetheless. Fear, anxiety, depression, having a restless and unsettled soul this morning. Maybe it's looking out into our society at large and thinking about the state of our government, uh, some of the issues in our society, or maybe even some of the bigger things, the risk of war that seems to have suddenly come and hit our headlines of late. For you, this morning, perhaps the idea of peace, the ideal of it, striving for it, is putting to rest some of these things in your life. So as we turn to our passage this morning, I mean, this is just front and center for us. I mean, Jesus opens with us uh, right away in verse 27. He just says, peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. I do not give as the world gives. So right away, he introduces this sort of massive, big theme of peace. And particularly, he gives us these two different types of peace that we've already mentioned this morning. On the one hand, there's this peace that we can get from Jesus, from God. But on the other hand, there's this worldly peace, this peace of the world. So I think it's going to be helpful for us just to spend some time this morning considering these two types of peace. Um, Beginning with peace of the world. Or this worldly peace. And what we learn from our passage, from the verse that we just read this morning, is that there really is a type of peace that the world offers. I think for us to better understand this, it's just helpful for a moment just to sit back and just consider the the broader historical uh, moment in which Jesus spoke these words to his people, to his disciples. 
Uh, Jesus lived in Israel in a time where Israel, the nation, as well as the whole Mediterranean, that was uh, all under Roman rule at the time. And this time, it's actually a really unique time of history. It's, uh, in the history books, it might be known as uh, Pax Romana, which simply just means Roman peace. And it refers to this two-century period of time in which there was relative peace compared to the periods before it and after it. I mean, of course, there were conflicts in that time, but relatively speaking, it was a peaceful time in human history. And perhaps one of the most peaceful that we've had. This peace was uh, achieved by brute force, with Rome literally killing anyone who was against the empire. So I guess in some ways you could describe this as a political, as a societal and a militant uh, peace in nature. As we consider our world today, many centuries later, we can say that this is a type of peace that still persists in some way in our world today. As I was thinking about this, I, I thought about uh, the last world war uh, that happened, not, uh, finished in 1945. And that's 76 years ago. I mean, that's, that's a quite a long time, if you think about it. Now, of course, I don't want to make light of the many struggles that have happened in those 76 years. There have been many. But nothing has happened on the scale of World War II. Um, from what I understand, something like 55 to 85 million people lost their lives during that war and because of it. I mean, can you imagine that for a moment? That is a shocking number of people let alone all the people that survived and just had to live on through the tragedy of what they experienced. In God's common grace to all people, I think we can stop for a moment and just be really thankful that that hasn't happened again. That God in his grace to all people hasn't had something like that happen again in the time since then. But of course, as you even look at recent events, it's also confronting to consider for a moment how fragile this peace really is and how quickly it can literally change in a heartbeat. I mean, if we're honest with ourselves, the potential for future conflict, whether at home or abroad, it does just lie around the corner. I mean, you would have heard in the headlines, our government signed up to AUKUS. Not quite sure where, where they got that name from, but anyway, AUKUS, um, and... Yeah, they, they've signed, this, signed up to this purely for defence reasons, to try and maintain a type of peace. We can think about Victoria, where I'm from. We've got the protests that have happened all this week. There's been an earthquake. I mean, it's all happening there at the moment. But even closer to home here in, in Perth, even if it's something as simple as a child fighting at a playground... Spouses having a heated exchange with one another. And yes, fellow Christians having it out with each other. Conflict continues to be a present reality in our lives. I mean, as sophisticated as we are in the 21st century, with all our scientific advancements, the pursuit of a perfectly peaceful society, it remains an elusive goal for us. I think we can say then that worldly peace, it's temporal, it's fleeting, it doesn't last. 
it can be taken away in just a moment. As good as it makes itself out to be, it can't deliver fully what it promises. I wonder if you this morning has... Uh, you can think of something that hasn't lived up to your expectations, hasn't delivered the goods that it's promised you. A product that you've bought from the shops that it says something on the box, but it doesn't actually do what it says on the box. Uh, during the lockdown last year, and just in life in general, I, Leah and I do enjoy the occasional takeaway meal. Uh, we do a splurge out occasionally. And during lockdown, you know, you've got this five kilometer uh, rule that you can't travel outside of, and like, okay, what's inside there that we would like to get some takeaway food? Um, and I thought, burgers and chips, that does it for me. I'm going to be really happy with that. Um, and yeah, we, we did that, and I thought, this is going to be a real treat. Uh, can't go wrong with that, at least I think, uh, except in this case, we did go wrong. <laughs> the burger was soggy, uh, the chips were overcooked, and uh, the drink actually didn't taste any of that good either. Um, Okay, I don't want to complain, but it just didn't live up to my expectations at that moment. And the same is true of worldly peace. It doesn't live up to the expectations that we have of it. For us as Christians here today, there is a danger that you and I seek out this worldly peace. Our hope, find our sense of hope and well-being in it. But Jesus is saying here, if you want real peace, you've got to look elsewhere for it. The world is unable to give that to you. Don't get caught out chasing worldly peace. In our passage, uh, this seems to be what Jesus' disciples were doing. Uh, If you just remember, John 14 is in the upper room discourse. Uh, So it's just a few chapters of where Jesus is saying some of his last words to his disciples before he uh, goes away from them, goes to the cross. And we see that there, Jesus, back in chapter 13, he's just said to his disciples, I'm about to go. I'm about to leave you. I'm going to go somewhere where you can't follow me. And this news, it, it crushed them. They were discouraged greatly. And so Jesus, understanding their reaction and where they were at, back in chapter 14, verse 1, what does he say? He says, let not your hearts be troubled. And once again, in our passage, verse 27, at the end of it, he says, let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. So these these disciples, they were troubled. They were troubled that Jesus was going to leave them. Their picture of what the Messiah was supposed to come and do just didn't quite fit what was happening right in front of them. They didn't display a capacity to be able to deal with the struggles that they were facing in that moment. To find peace in the midst of life's challenges. I mean, as we think about this this morning, it's incredibly relevant for you and I. Uh, This passage once again calls us to consider where does our true peace lie this morning? Like the disciples, there's a risk that Christians get caught up pursuing worldly peace as their primary focus. 
So I just asked this morning, fellow Christian, to what extent are you experiencing God's peace this morning? Genuine heart peace. Perhaps you've walked into church troubled and anxious this morning, fearful for what's happening in your life or in the lives of those around you. And this is a wonderful opportunity for you to bring these things before God and ask for his help today. To turn away from any worldly peace that can't provide the goods. It's actually also true that we actually may not fully realize that we're relying on worldly peace. We may not be conscious of where in our life we seek worldly peace. Uh, sometimes, uh, even as introduced by Dan before, you know, God crashes into our life. And it's very often the case where when our world is rocked, that can be a wake-up call from God. But like the disciples who are rocked by the news of and the announcement of Christ leaving, so too we are often rocked by bad news. As difficult as these moments can be for us, often it's the very moments, these periods in time that God uses to shape us, to shake us up and to mold us more into the image of his son. I mean, that's, that's a hard thing to, for us to grapple with, but it's often so true. So if this worldly peace, it can't provide the goods, it's not going to live up, up to what we want it to give, where then do we turn for lasting peace? What is this peace from God that Jesus is speaking about in his passage? This godly peace, this peace not of this world. Well, I think this morning there's just two things in particular I want us to take away from these, these verses here, these words from Jesus. And the first thing is this, that the peace that Jesus offers us is a peace that is present for us regardless of our circumstances. I mean, if we just read that verse again, just do you see how boldly Jesus just says this? He just says, peace I give to you, my peace... Uh, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. I do not give as, uh, to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled. He just says it. He says, this is what I give you. But if you stop and think about it for a moment, you think, how does Jesus promise this? How can he come and just say this so casually to the disciples? He just said to them, I'm about to be betrayed. I'm about to leave you. And this meant nothing else than going to the cross. As a result, the disciples would be like scattered sheep, left without a shepherd to guide them and to lead them. I mean, in a purely human sense, this seems outrageous for Jesus to say, to promise to them. Perhaps a, a modern day equivalent might be to, you know, if you're a parent or, or no, no parent that they have their child sent off to war, and as they're walking out the door, you say, it'll be all right, just, it'll be fine when we know it may very well not be fine. But it's here where we learn a really important truth about the Christian faith. Jesus doesn't offer a peace in this life that is absent of hardship. Rather, Jesus offers his followers a peace despite of and in the face of hardship. I mean, that bears repeating for us this morning. It's the peace that he gives is not one absent of all hardship in this life, but a peace that we can find in the midst of our struggles, 
as we journey life with him. Uh, there's a tendency amongst many Christians today that either overtly or, or subtly deep down believe that what Christianity offers is a life free from difficulties. Some might think, if only I had just had more faith, life would be easy. But this is not what our passage is saying. Rather, the peace that Jesus often offers to us is profoundly greater than this. It's a peace that finds its source in God himself. I, mean, I can say this is such a spectacular peace because Paul says it's so spectacular in Philippians 4, verses 4 to 7. I'll read a few verses there. He says, Rejoice in the Lord always. And I say again, I will say again, Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And then he says this, And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. I mean, that's spectacular how he describes it, a peace that just transcends all understanding. It's not a flimsy and heartless peace. Rather, it's a solid, firm peace that he provides, an inner peace that enables the Christian to face the challenges of this life with courage and perseverance. Have you experienced this peace for yourself? In times of trouble and fear, Our passage reminds us of a need for a peace that can only come from God. A peace that is quite literally out of this world. So that's the first thing we learn about this godly peace, that it's a peace that we can find in the the midst of life's challenges. Uh, The second thing we learn from our passage is that that it's ultimately a peace that is given to those who seek God's glory. People who seek God's glory. In verse 28, Jesus says, You heard me say, I'm going away and I'm coming back to you. If you love me, you would be glad that I'm going to the Father, for the Father is greater than I. Now, on first impressions, this verse might actually be a bit confusing and might be a bit puzzling. You might think, what, in what sense... Can Jesus say, the Father is greater than I? What did Jesus mean when he said, I'm going back to the Father? And why would this be good news for the disciples? Well, some would want to say that this greater than phrase here that Jesus says is that he's teaching that he's just a man and, that, and he's not God. But elsewhere in John's Gospel, this, this is not true. We, we see this plainly taught a few chapters back in John 10, verse 30, where Jesus just plainly says, he says, I and the Father are one. So Jesus is God in flesh. But if it's not teaching, if Jesus is not saying I'm just a man, what is it teaching? I think the best explanation seems to be that Jesus is comparing his present incarnate state over against the glory of God in heaven. A glory that is rightfully Christ himself, for himself. We see just a few chapters on in, in verse, uh, chapter 17 verse 5 in John's gospel. 
Jesus says there, And now, Father, glorify me in your presence with the glory I had with you before the world began. So that makes it pretty clear for us. It was soon time for Jesus to return to that place of glory and ascend back into heaven via the lowly cross. And the disciples, they ought to rejoice over this, knowing that Jesus was about to be glorified. I mean, if you think about it, the alternative would be for Jesus to stay with his disciples here on earth and not complete the mission that he'd been given and not to yeah, finish the work of salvation. This then reveals a bit of a tragic cause for a lack of peace in our life. When we experience a lack of peace, it can reveal so often where our true treasure lies. The disciples' lack of rejoicing meant that their sinful, selfish desires were being exposed. Their bubble had been burst and they didn't really like it. Rather than wanting Jesus to complete his mission and fully understanding what that meant, they thought they were just thinking about their immediate little situation in their bubble. In their heart of hearts, they were still clinging to this worldly peace. So as we've said, this can still be a source and lack of peace for us as Christians. Desire, our desire for worldly peace, can, it detracts from giving glory to God. And yet here we see a great paradox of the Christian faith. It's that when we seek God's glory first in all things, that's when we're given his peace too. When you're considering your own life this morning here today, can this be said about you? Are you seeking God's glory first in all things, even and especially in the midst of life's challenges? Or is your heart inclined to find selfish peace in worldly means? I mean, where do you run to first when life turns pear-shaped? The truth is when... Hardships come all too often. Our true treasure comes to the surface and and is exposed. But if we are truly seeking God's glory in all things, even the hardships, we can find new purpose in it and it can't rob us of godly peace. I wonder if you've seen a mature Christian who has gone through a really tough time and you've seen how they've persevered and stuck close to God and found peace despite their hard situation. I mean, I think back over the years of some Christians that I've journeyed with and, I mean, together, on the one hand, they're a profound encouragement to me and at the same time, they're a profound challenge to me as I see them pressed deeply into God in their moment of suffering and trials. I wonder if you know someone like that. Maybe that's you here this morning going through something really hard. So we've explored these two types of peace. This worldly peace and this peace that only Jesus that can provide that's transcendent beyond human understanding. So just lastly this morning, just want to consider if that is lasting peace, where do we find this? How do we get it? Well, as we consider the last few verses in our chapter here this morning, we see this profound focus 
on what Jesus was going to do to secure this peace for his followers. Verse 29, Jesus calls his followers to believe in what was about to take place. And then in the last couple of verses, verse 30 and 31, Jesus drops some pretty big hints about what he was about to achieve on the cross. In verse 30, we see Jesus speak of this ruler of the world that is coming. This refers to Satan himself. Why is he described as the ruler of the world? Well, I'm sure you would have heard back in the Genesis chapters that you've been exploring of late here at Willow, we understand that at the fall, something really terrible happened. We, our relationship was broken off with God. And at that moment, Satan became ruler over this world. The moment that we gave in to his deception, Adam and Eve did, we were bound up, imprisoned in our sinful desires. Humanity at once, at Genesis 3, was at once cast onto this epic and dangerous battlefield. And ever since then, so much about life is just simply about fighting in various ways. I mean, our relationship with the planet is broken. We see this with the earthquake that just happened in Victoria. Our relationships with fellow humans are broken. We fight all the time. And yes, we have powerful spiritual enemies, Satan and demons, that are against us as well. But as we stand on this really dangerous battlefield and peer across the horizon, we discover a different foe that is facing us at the other side. God himself, the supreme, holy, and glorious one who stands against sinners who rebelled against him. All the brokenness, the fighting that we experience in this world, it's only a reflection and representation of this greater heavenly battle. This battle where humanity and our sin, we are opposed to God himself. Our, our creator, the creator of the whole universe. I mean, surely if there's one enemy you don't want, it's that, that God. And yet it's only Jesus himself, the only perfect, sinless human being who ever lived, the God-man, only he could come as redeemer and rescue us from this terrible plight of sin and turn away the wrath of God that is due to us. Being achieved on the cross, what he achieved there was taking that penalty upon himself, dying in our place for our sin. And it's that moment that the ruler of the world, Satan, was defeated. Colossians 2.15 says this plainly. It says, And having disarmed the powers and authority, he, being Jesus, made a public, public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. So when Jesus went to the cross, he didn't go kicking and screaming. He, he went out of love. He chose to go there. He suffered willingly on our behalf. I mean, the gravity of that is phenomenal. How can I say that? Well, in Isaiah 53.10, it just declares, it says, Yet it was the Lord's will to crush him and cause him to suffer. It was God's plan all along for Jesus to go to the cross and die for all who believe in him. And so Christian, the promise of peace in a lot of ways is a simple offer. For those who come to Jesus in faith and renounce worldly peace, that's what he gives you. That's what he promises. 
through his Holy Spirit in us, he will give it to us. Will you turn to him this day and cast your burdens upon him? Do you have godly peace this day? Will you in faith seek it in Jesus? Jesus ends with this little phrase, get up, let us go from here. And I think in likewise for us, for you and I, he says the same. Christian, get up and go, believing in the peace that Jesus has secured for you on the cross. Get up and go uh, pursuing the glory of God first, knowing that he is, what he's done means we share in that glory. Get up and go, Christian, from this day, facing life's tri- troubles and trials, knowing that Christ has won the victory. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for this promise of eternal and lasting and profound peace that you give to those who believe in you. Lord Jesus, we just want to spend some time and consider our own life and we want to confess that we do so often turn to worldly peace. Father, I pray that your Holy Spirit would reveal and through fellow Christians and brothers and sisters that we would sharpen each other, that we would be a community that is ever pressing towards you, that pressing deeply into you. I pray, Father, that your Holy Spirit would richly bless us this day with your peace, that no matter what happens today, tomorrow, the next day, that we will know transcendent peace from you. Father, I pray with this profound peace that we would be beacons of light in this world, that this would be a contagious peace and that other people see something different about us, that we can uh, face the concerns and worries of this life in a way that otherwise we wouldn't be able to do. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.